So we're looking at a subject called uh, dating and marriage, dating and marriage, and talking about what that looks like for the believers, amen, for the, for the folks that want to do it God's way, right, that hunger and thirst after righteousness. And this subject is for everybody, because if you're married, right, you need to know some things about how to do it God's way, right? And, and if you're wanting to be married, seeking to be married, you need to learn how to find out how to do that God's way, Amen. And uh, so we're going to look at a few things from Scripture. I think it'll help you. And uh, we'll see what God's, God's version and view of marriage is and what that looks like. And we'll spend a few weeks on this because I think, I think it's helpful. Amen? Uh, you find out real quick where your life's at when you're checking up on where your marriage is at, where your relationships are at, right? When your marriage is good, when your relationships are good, things, you just seem like you can get through a lot more stuff. Is that true? Right? When there's turmoil, turmoil at home and stuff's going on, it's, it's a little tougher, isn't it? But when you're secure in what God's told you, spoken to you through his word, and you're walking those steps out, come on now, you're on the right path, amen? So we're going to look and see what that, what that feels like, what that looks like, what God wants that to look like. Can we do that? Turn with me to the book of beginnings. The book of beginnings, that's Genesis, the very first one. It really is called the book of beginnings, believe it or not. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 2. A couple went to a marriage conference to work on their marriage, and uh, the speaker was um, telling the couples that they need to learn about each other and and understand some things about each other. Take the time, the effort to learn about each other. And he said from the pulpit, Husbands, you ought to know what type of flower that your husband likes and be able to, or your husbands, you ought to be able to know what type of flower your wives like and be able to describe it. And husbands kind of nodded and one husband leaned over to his wife uh, almost with a little bit of pride, leaned over and said, honey, gold medal all purpose, isn't it? (laughs) There's so many ways you can go with that. Fortunately, they were at a marriage conference, right? Yeah. So, so guys can be clueless, clueless sometimes. It is absolutely true. There's also, uh, just last year, I think, for the first time uh, in football history, there was a female ref on the field uh, officiating a football game. And one of the first flags that she threw was for a foul that happened three years ago. So uh, we have to... I'm hoping to keep this equal on both sides as we kind of go through this. Guys can be clueless too. All right, thank you, Lord. Go to the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, y'all. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 18. And then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone. Isn't that amazing? It's not good that man should be alone. There was supposed to be something. Now, it's interesting that some people read this and go, God just figured that out? (laughs) No. Keep reading. It's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Adam named the animals and the creatures. And we don't really know how long this took. It could have taken days, weeks, months, years. There's no time frame here, but there was, God was forming for a while, and Adam was naming things, right? Naming creatures. So Adam was not a caveman, right? He was not, ugh, ugh, ugh. 
right? He was articulate and intelligent. God created him that way and put his spirit inside of him, right? So we can just back that one right all the way out. Okay. And, and, uh, and he brought them to him, and, and Adam named them. Verse 20, so Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. This was not a shock to God, right? God was demonstrating to the man he created that the animals are not a compatible helper to you, okay? Don't get offended, pet people, <laughs> right? <laughs> pets are wonderful, right? And we, and we have pets for all sorts of reasons, companionship, food, right? <laughs> Let's be real. Don't name the pigs. Anybody figured that out? Don't name the pigs. That's dangerous with the kids or the cows. <laughs> okay. Name them bacon. That's terrible. But I, but I like it. I like where your head's at. Okay. And the Lord, God, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. Come on, everybody say he slept. It is good for men to sleep. I'm telling you what. And he took one of, the, one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. Now listen, <clears throat> God's got a plan for us to have helpers. Amen? Helpers. And he did it this way on purpose. He did it on purpose. Come on now. He had a plan and a purpose from the beginning, right? God wasn't figuring this out through Genesis 1 and 2. He was laying it out for Adam so that he could see clearly that, you know, a horse was not going to do it for companionship, right? He wasn't going, I wonder if he's going to like a dog better than a horse or a lion. Let's find out. Like, that wasn't in God's thought process. He was demonstrating to him. Those things are wonderful. They're not going to be the companion. They're not going to be comparable to you. You see that? It's important that we recognize that. So we have to understand that as we are um, either in marriage already, looking to be married, right, to be, uh, have, have that companionship, that we find someone that we can get along with. Okay, now let me just talk to single folks for a second. You need to find somebody, like young guys, young gals, you need to find somebody you can get along with because looks, right, will only take you so far. Attraction's important, but in our world, our society, attraction has become everything. It has become everything, right? And if you don't keep up, if that was your basis, you're in trouble. You want to get along with people. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, there's too much emphasis on it, right? It's important that there's attraction there, right? It's important. But it's not the top. Like, you find a guy, he's a hunk, but he can't hold a conversation. Mm-mm. Take your hunky right on down the road, right? You find a girl that looks good, that knows how to dress to put on, to be the, the shiny flower, right? But there's no depth. Keep going. Keep going. There's got to be depth. You're with somebody forever, right? This is, this is a commitment to someone that you're going to share your life with. And there's got to be some, some depth. That's why I'm a fan of arranged marriages. I'll get there in because I'm telling you, kids, kids need some help. <laughs> Amen. It's true whether you like it or not. <laughs> so keep reading. He brought, 
he brought the woman to the man. And Adam said, now this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called, whoa, man. Because she was taken out of the man. Therefore, as a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, the two, they shall become one flesh. Everybody say one flesh. For they were both naked, and the, and the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Everybody say they were not ashamed. Come on now, this is a big deal right here. This is what we're facing in our society right now because the enemy wants to twist and contort the marriage relationship. He wants to make it about looks and uh, chemistry, right? And all the physical stuff. And I'm telling you what, it's just a dog and pony show when you get down to it. There's no depth, right? And God wants us to be in a relationship that's committed because when you're in that when you're in this state that they were, where they were naked, they were together, they were not ashamed. Come on now, stay with me. There, there's something about the marriage relationship God's way that you can be together and not be ashamed, right? All of us, all of us at one point or another have been ashamed of something. If we just take it to a relationship standpoint, right? Even before, before you met, you know, Captain America, right? Or Miss Wonder Woman or whoever, right? Before you met them, Right? There, was, there was times and opportunities, even back in your junior high or high school or your college, where you probably weren't totally appropriate with every single relationship you ever had. Right? Am I talking to real people here? No real people. Okay, y'all are saints. But, but when, you, when you do something wrong, when you do something inappropriate, there's shame associated with that. There's guilt. And rightly so. God doesn't shame us, but there's guilt. There's conviction for not honoring it the way God set it out, right? And we all have stories, some of them are our own, where we have gotten in trouble, where we have gone too far, taken a step too far, and it produced some consequences in our life. Is that true? Come on now, the shame that's associated with that was never meant to be in our lives because God destined us to be connected with our spouse forever, right? There's no shame in a marriage relationship in that context, it's wonderful. It's designed exactly the way God said. So single folks, come on now. You've got to be cautious what you're doing with your time because the world says, come on, this is a soapbox for me. I'm going to step up on it, right, for a minute. The world says that if you're going to date somebody, you've got to test drive the car before you take it home. And what they mean is, is you've got to sleep with that person and have all this intimacy to find out if it's going to work. And that is a horrible analogy. Ticks me off, Right? Having sex or having intimacy is not test driving a car at all. That's like stripping the engine out, tearing the transmission out, the engine, right? All the parts strewn everywhere, making sure they built it right before you put it all back together. Nobody does that, right? You buy the car and you trust that you are, have done due diligence, heard from the Lord. This is the one for you, amen? amen? Take that back to a marriage relationship. Dating, getting to know each other, which dating is is not even a really a good term. That is a modern term. Do you understand that? The, dating was not even on the radar 100 years ago. They didn't go out and go to the movies. and go, It was faux pas. It was not couth. Are, am I, you follow me with my words there? It was not okay. It was bad. It was. You were, you were considered to be, well, hey, there's some promiscuity going on there because they were out alone without a chaperone. So, Yes, there's this, this phase in our culture where you are getting to know somebody. That's the test driving of the car. You're getting to know them, right? 
do you like the smell of the seats in the car, right? Do they wear the right cologne, right? You're getting to know these little things of spending time with each other, but I would caution you in this. Be careful, single, come on, single folks, right? Be careful how much time you're spending with the opposite sex alone. I would suggest almost none. Almost none, right? (laughs) This is going over big. Right? The parents are going like this. And the kids are going, huh? Never? Man, I'm telling you, nothing good happens after 10 p.m. in the dark by yourself. Nothing. Until you're married. I'm just saying. Nothing. Y'all, y'all got to make these parameters, right? I mean, there, we have rules established in our relationship that I will try my absolute best to never, ever, ever be alone with another woman. Not here accidentally, somebody's cleaning and I show up. I, no, I'm just going to wait outside, right? Mandy gets stuck on the side of the road. She's stranded. I'm just going to say, sorry, Mandy, drive right on by. <laughs> no. But <laughs> that's extreme. But I'm not going to give her a ride home by herself. That's not okay, right? Somebody else has to come help me, right? Call, yeah, make a phone call for her, right? Some, we have to have these hard and fast rules to avoid conflict problems, right? And this is for married folks, but it's also for single folks. You give yourself opportunity, you open that door, I'm telling you, it's super easy to go down paths you can't come back from. And it's not okay. And that's where the shame comes in because it was never designed to be that way, ever, ever. So you gotta be careful. Do you want God's best? That's the question. Do you want God's best? Because if you do, you'll do it God's way. And there is a rest in trusting that God knows exactly who I'm supposed to be with. No matter where you're at, he can get them to you. But I'm telling you, just like we've talked about faith before, we can do nothing as Christians that pleases God apart from faith. So if you're believing God for the right person, you have to do that by faith. And in true faith, there is a rest going, okay, I've made my request known to before the Lord. He knows exactly the godly man or woman that I'm supposed to be with, amen? And he will make it happen. He will bring them in the right time. When we get off base is when we get out there and we start doing it on our own, right? And we can do it real easy online. You can just click and like. <laughs> Set it up. I'm not against tools that are, that are used in this day and age. What I am against is us getting out in front of God and trying to make it happen on our own because you can fall in love with anybody. I don't believe there's just one person for every single person. And if they're in Timbuktu, you're just out of luck unless you get over there. I don't believe that. I believe there's certain personalities and makeups of people that are perfect fit for your background. And your, but there are thousands of them that would fit you. Thousands. God can get you the right one that would be a perfect complement for you. Come on now, you're not looking for one in seven and a half billion. That's daunting. God knows exactly how to get you the right person. It's true. Come on, so have, have some faith, right? Make your request known before the Lord. Lord, this is a desire of my heart to be connected in a, in a marriage that you approve of that is godly, amen? It's a desire, and then, and then rest. Thank you, Lord. You're bringing them to him every day. Thank you, Father. You got the right person, right? That right husband, the right wife. Thank you, Father. I trust you. You're gonna bring them at the right place at the right time. Prepare my heart. Make me the man, right, that I'm supposed to be for her. Help me to... Uh, 
work on my baggage. Come on now, don't bring baggage into a relationship. Work on your stuff before you get there. That's not fair to bring your stuff into that. Work on it ahead of time. Marriage is tough enough when you're trying to figure out how to put two people together. This isn't condemnation. This is, this is helpful. Come on, come on, people. This is helpful for you because you got to think about this and deal with this stuff before you get there. Now, you're, you're already married. You're married. Here's, here's thoughts enemy likes to use. He does not want you to work together. When, as a married couple, when you start working together for the kingdom, you are a threat to the kingdom or, of darkness. He wants to immediately start driving a wedge between you. God said when they get married, the two become one. Come on now. Become one. So immediately the enemy's gonna start trying to get a wedge in there. Well, maybe you didn't marry the right person. Oh, I didn't know that about them. If I'd have known that, I would have had pause. (laughs) I didn't know this baggage you were bringing all the, come on now, he's gonna work on that relationship trying to drive a wedge. Because when you are together, you're a powerful force. It's true. Come on, we're we're gonna talk about it. It's gonna be good. You guys are gonna be okay. God is good to us. Is that true? All the time? Okay, I'm going to paper. Technology is not helping me. God's way, God's origin is marriage, a covenant, right? And we have to get it out of our heads that the government's way of marriage is an acceptable form of marriage before the Lord. It is not. Right? There is, a, there is a marriage that happens before God, come on now, that is a, that is a commitment and a covenant to each other before the, before the Lord. Lots of marriages happen in churches. Do you realize that? Even non-religious people like to get married in churches, right? Some don't. Some go to the courthouse, right? But I, I, would, I would venture to say, and I would encourage people, make a covenant before God, not just before a judge. Judge can legally get you married, right? But you want to make a covenant before God. That's a God kind of marriage. Make sure, right? And if you hadn't done that, it's, it's easy. You can do that. You can come together again and make that covenant. But I think it's important. I think this covenant is more than just a piece of paper because the world says that's just a piece of paper. You can tear that up and change that anytime you want. That's not the way God views it. He's, he wants you to be covenant. Amen? Is that true? And, and man, when we're all in, it's good. It's good. Let me, let me just stay on this government thing for a little bit. The government is not Scripture, right? They pass things all the time that are ungodly and unscriptural. Is that true? You can be legally married to the same sex of a person in, in our country, in all kinds of states. You can. You can be le- as document and paper and all of it. You can. But it's not God's way, right? God made man and woman, right? And put them together. Why? Because that was what was good. They are compatible. And they can procreate. Populate the earth. He said be fruitful and multiply. When we change the definition of that, right, in our society, it doesn't mean God's words changed. He didn't, oh, yeah, we got to pin that in. Let's make that adjustment. He's not going to do that. we got to stand up for what's right. We have to be willing to tell the truth. It doesn't work any other way. Marriage doesn't work any other way except a covenant before God between one man and one woman. It's, it's as plain as I can say it. It's the way that works. We can do all kinds of things outside of the plan of God. We're free moral agents. God created us that way. We can sin all day long, all we want. 
And even if the government condones it and says that's just fine, it is not fine. We have to choose what's right. I think, I think most people know right and wrong because it's inherent in us. It's part of who we are. And the Bible says that people that uh, choose against God's will over and over and over again sear their conscience, right? And at some point, you just don't care anymore. It's like a thick, thick callus. You just don't feel the prick anymore, yeah? So it's not that these people that are making these decisions are wrong. I believe that same-sex relationships and marriages are wrong, just as immoral as boyfriend and girlfriend living together. Just as immoral. It's not a covenant relationship. It is not the same. It is not and never will be. Right? So the world says, try it out. Test drive the car, right? You know, you got to figure all this stuff out before you. No, you figure that stuff out when you're in covenant, when you're committed, when there's not a back door. (laughs) If we do things God's way, he will bless it. If we do things our way, we are on our own. And blind squirrels will find nuts once in a while, right? You will find some blessing. You will find some increase. You might get a good job. That does not mean the hand of the Lord is on it. Because the Bible says there's a, an earthly wisdom, a devilish wisdom, right? A sensual wisdom. And it calls it wisdom. There's a wisdom to that, but it is not of God. Boy, it's quiet. <clears throat> One thing I've noticed um, in my handful of years on the earth is that the marriages and the relationships in those, you know, the marriages and the relationship in that marriage, the ones that uh, seem to get through stuff and, and really find ways to succeed and you see fruit in their lives, consistently, consistently, the two parties are mature. They are personally mature, Right? What we've got is a whole bunch, a whole bunch of 35 and 40-year-olds running around that are acting like 12-year-olds. I'll show him. I will show him. You think that's funny? Come on now. 12-year-olds. Selfish, self-centered, I need my way, I'm not going to budge, I'm not wrong. Come on now. The people that are going to make it in marriage are willing to do self-introspection, right? To look back and go, okay, I can't fix that. I can fix me. Lord, help me. Come on. When you got two people doing that, you got heaven. You got heaven. But it's not your job to make sure they are saying the same thing you're saying or praying the same way you are. It is your job as a husband or a wife to do what God called you to do, right? Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husband's job. Come on now. So we've got we to be willing to say, I need to make some changes. If it's not going the way, if, if, if my wife isn't happy, then I, there's something that I can do better right? If she's, if she's struggling in our relationship, she doesn't like some things that are going on, then I need to change. Come on, this is just being grown up, adulting, putting your big boy pants on, right? It's true. Dustin agrees. You gotta put your big boy pants on. 
this one couple was separating. It wasn't going well. They were getting a divorce. It comes up in the proceedings that the husband actually had bought a whole bunch of property and real estate in another state, and his wife knew nothing about it. And he wasn't trying to be um, like like keep it from her for his own personal gain. He was just not telling her. And she finds out, you got what, where? Like how, how many properties? And this is a picture of husbands and wives not acting as one. The Bible says that the two shall become one flesh. And, and it even says it's hard to understand. But God joins a husband and wife. When you make a covenant together through that ceremony, that commitment, that covenant, and then uh, in, in the sexual relationship, right, there is a covenant, a welding together that God joins a husband and a wife. And the two become one. And we got a whole bunch of marriages that are still trying to act independently, right? I got my things, he has their things, and we don't really know necessarily what's going on here or there, but it's my stuff. And it was never designed to be that way. It was always designed to be together as one. Let's talk about this. And we each have different roles. The husband has one role and the wife has another role, right? It's talked about in scripture. We'll get there. But we're acting together. It took me a while to figure that out as a young man. 27 years old, I thought I had it figured. I know I know marriage, right? Never been married. I know marriage. Love those conversations, right? But I figured out that if I would trust her to use the gifts that God put in her, it would save us some problems, things I will, could not and would not see apart from her because she's got things that I don't have, right? They were removed from me, right? Symbolically, metaphorically, physically from Adam. They were removed from me and given to the woman so that when they came together, they were one. They were complete. They were whole. You can't do things on your own. I learned to listen to her. It saved me a lot. A lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of headache, right? She's learned to come and she's asked me for advice from the man side, like the, you know, typically... For me, my personality is the, non, the non-emotional side, right? That's, that's not broad across the board, but that does happen quite a bit, right? Where, you know, I'm just giving her facts, and that's what she wanted. She's learned that while I'll be empathetic, I've learned to be empathetic, which helps, careful, with your reactions. Everyone's watching you. <laughs> Let me rephrase. I'm learning to be empathetic. I haven't arrived. I'm shooting for here. I'm about here, right? While I'm learning to be empathetic, uh, she's learning to take my advice from my perspective, right? So that she can get a broader view of it. Same for me to her. I'm all facts. And she's like, but you haven't thought of this. What about this? And I'm like, that's brilliant. Especially with the kids. Never thought of that. Three girls. I have no idea what I'm doing, (laughs) but she's got insight for me that I don't see. And if I don't learn to lean on her and ask her, right, then I'm not acting as one. I'm trying to do my own thing. He wants us to be together, to rely on one another. Is that true? This is the kind of spouse you're looking for, singles. This is the kind of relationship marriage that you want. And it takes work and effort and communication. It's so worth it, right? We haven't arrived. We haven't figured it all out. But we're on the right path. We're taking the right steps. Learning to rely on each other. It is not a dictatorship in my house. Come on, I'm the head of the house. I'm responsible for the decisions that are made. I understand that. She understands that. The girls understand that. 
but it's not a dictatorship in my house. It can't be. It doesn't work, right? Mama tells the girls to get up and do something, and they sit. It's my job to go, uh, move it, right? right? You were told to do something. I'm backing her up, and vice versa. And at some point, we may not agree in the middle of the, of the thing. That's not the time to disagree and argue, right? You come, you come away and go, okay, I, would, I probably would have done that different. Or, right? The kids need to see this kind of united front so they're not dividing and conquering. They're good at it. Come on now. They know how to drive a wedge. You go, well, mama said. And I go, Cody, did you tell Caden she could do this? Nope. Okay, mama said what? Well, I thought she said, yeah, okay, back it up. (laughs) Guy hiding stuff because he wasn't operating, you know, in union with his wife. You want to buy property outside of the state? Fine. Tell your wife about it. Heard another story about a wife that was buying clothes, but she didn't want her husband to know what she was spending money on, so she was sneaky about moving money around, and then she'd buy the stuff, and she'd hide it in the closet for a few months, and then she'd, when it was time, she'd go wear it, and he'd be like, oh, you're wearing something new. And she would say, oh, no, I've had this forever. <laughs> it's sneaky. It's deceptive. You just You can't do this in a marriage relationship. You can't have things hiding in your relationships. It doesn't work. If there's stuff hiding, then the enemy's going to produce shame in there. He's going to drive a wedge. You've got to get stuff out. Even if it's painful, you have to get stuff out and deal with it and trust the Lord. Come on now. There's just stuff in our lives we have to, we have to get out. We have to let it go. Come on. As a husband, I've had to tell her stuff that I did not want to tell her. Wanted to keep that buried deep, right? It'll just be fine. But my heart wouldn't let me. And it feels so good, man, I sleep good at night. Come on now, when you're right with the Lord and you're right with your spouse, I sleep good. No shame, no condemnation. (sighs) Trust me, get it out. It's gonna be painful, it ain't fun. But get it out, talk it out, do whatever it takes to make it right. It feels good, it feels good. And when you're entering into a relationship, I don't mean that you just, excuse the term, barf all your junk all over them right in the beginning but you they need to understand that you've got some stuff you've dealt with and worked through and in this process of us getting to know each other some things are gonna you're gonna have to be vulnerable you're gonna have to lay some stuff out and say i've been through some stuff right i've made some i've made some decisions i'm proud of and some of the some of those that i'm not and and you need to understand because laying that out means open borders right like they're accepting you with the whole enchilada right Thank you, Lord. Our relationship with our spouse should be the most open, honest relationship we have in this world. Right? It should be very comparable to our relationship with the Father because you can hide zero from him. Right? He, He knows and sees all things. Those things that you have repented for and asked forgiveness of, those are removed. Those are gone. He's not bringing those up again. Right? But the stuff that you think is hidden in the recesses of your heart that you haven't dealt with, he knows about them. So you're going to have to deal with some stuff. If you want a good relationship, a godly marriage, you're going to have to deal with some stuff. And it's going to be hard, but it's worth it. Because it feels good when you're done, when you've let it out, right? And, there's, and it's going to take some time. We've had friends work through some brutal, and I mean brutal stuff, that they brought on each other. And when it came out, it was hard, hard. But you got to do it. 
Got to get it out there. Got to get the wound clean. Got to get the healing process started. It's worth it. One flesh is God's plan. So if we know that, that the marriage relationship, the two coming together, operating together in harmony, right? A united front to the world and to the children, right? A united couple, right? If that's going to happen, if we're going to do that, then the enemy is going to immediately try to drive a wedge and get you to operate separate. Get, you know, this is my personality, this is his personality, this is the way I do things, this is the way he does things. No, we need to come together and talk about these things. I'm not talking about not having any individuality. I'm talking about a united front to each other before the Lord. This is our plans, our purposes, this is where we're going. Where you are not in strife and division with your spouse in decisions. It can be done. It's a God thing. Amen? Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Thank you, Lord. Here's a fun subject that I need to broach right now. I need to cross over about stuff in your life. This is for guys and girls, but mostly guys. Let's just talk about the four-letter word called porn. Boy, oh boy, what an evil. What an evil. You do, not, you do not have room in your life for pornography, men or women. I mean, you just don't have room for it. I'm telling you, it will break you down. It's designed for that. And this is not new technology, right? This is stuff that goes back, to the, back into the Roman days. When Paul was, was coming into, uh, into Rome and, and into Ephesus specifically, they had churches that were designed completely around sex and the exploitation of it. Churches. They would go and worship their gods on these altars. And people would, I'm not trying to be graphic, I'm just trying to be real with you. It's in the Bible. People would have sex on like an altar as a worship and people would show up to watch. This was church for them. It's evil, right? It's a problem, this is not new, new territory, right? We just have way easier means to get it now than, than we ever have, right? In the privacy of your own little space with your own little phone. And I'm telling you, it is designed to destroy you. It's not okay outside of marriage. It's not okay inside of marriage. I don't care what kind of doctor, full of malarkey person they've got with a PhD at the end of their name. They know nothing if they say that it's okay in your, in your relationships. Zero. It is not okay. And it is a path that will drive a wedge in your oneness, in your relationships. It will wreck you. And the only way to get junk out is to come out with it and say, I'm dealing with this and I, and I don't want to anymore. I need help. You gotta confess your sins one to another, right? You gotta, you gotta get that stuff up and out of your life. And dads, if you think you're hiding it from your kids, you're nuts because you are allowing a spirit into your home that will per- be pervasive in your children. It's spiritual. My kids will never know. They'll never find out. It's already in your home if you're opening it up there. It's already there. You can close the door to it, but you need to do it today. It is not okay. Come on now. You can't get it out of your kids unless you get it out of you. You're not, you are not hiding anything from anybody. Super fun, right? But it needs to be said. I mean, we'll all sit in here in church and go, "Not, oh yeah, that's bad, that's bad. Statistics say that at least half of the people in here are struggling with it. Statistics. Is that okay? <laughs> no. 
There are checks and balances and all kinds of things that can be put. You can put apps on your phone and your devices that, that check your stuff and then send an email what you were looking at to somebody that can be an accountability partner. They're all over the place. It costs money. It's worth every penny because yet it will make you think twice before you go click and then have to explain it to your buddy or your spouse, <laughs> right? It's worth every penny. You've got to cut it out of your life. You don't wean yourself off of this stuff, right? You don't wean yourself off of cancer. You cut it out, yeah? And when you wake up, you go, did you get it all, doc? Did you get it all out? Did you pick every little piece? That's what you want to hear. Yeah, we got it all, right? Get it out. It will destroy you. It's meant to destroy you. It's meant to destroy your kids. And we live in an age where the enemy wants our kids. He does. I mean, they are dealing with stuff at eight and nine years old that would shock you. So this is the stuff we're talking about. This, these are the conversations we need to have so that we go home and we go, okay, Lord, I want you to have my life, right? We just came through a series where we believe wholeheartedly Jesus is coming back soon. You know, what, what hindrances do you want in the way before he comes back? My answer is zero, right? I wanna fulfill all that God has for me. And when we leave things in our lives unchecked and unattended that are not okay, it will hinder your plan and purpose for God. Absolutely. You think it won't? It absolutely will. Come on now. It's, 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 it's just necessary, right? Somebody's got to say this. Kids, you've got to hear this stuff, right? Teens, you cannot be dabbling in this stuff. I don't care who your friends are and what you had access to. Don't, don't let them be your friend anymore. You cannot be over there. You've got to draw hard and fast lines. And I'm telling you what, your future spouses will thank you for it. Man, they'll be grateful. I'm praying for my daughter's husbands right now, that the Lord would keep them and protect them. Nobody wants their kid to marry a wreck, a baggage loaded, right? Nobody wants that for their kid. But we've all seen it. So we've got to do our job as adults to get stuff out of our lives and be an example to the younger generation and say, it's possible. You don't have to do that. You don't have to go to those movies. It's everywhere. Watch yourself. It's important. We cannot be seeking this oneness, this togetherness of the marriage covenant and relationship apart from marriage. People do it all the time. They move in together, right? Spend some time together. Um, Even something called starter marriages. Starter marriages. Can you believe that term? We get married young, find out what it's like, see what things we like and don't like, and then we divorce, and then we find the one. Now that we know what we want, then we go find the. What? Who comes up with this stuff? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard anyone say ever. Where are you? Mark chapter 10? Is that where we're at? All right, verse 6. But from the beginning... Of the creation, God made them male and female. Come on, it's right there, male and female. Everybody say male and female. That's the plan right there. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Come on, now this is like God's perfect plan for marriage. Get together, stay together, work it out. 
If you're together, guess what? Guess who God's perfect mate is for you when you're married right now? Guess. Your mate right now. Look at the marriage certificate, right? You're in. That's it. That's it. If you want to know if you married the right person, look at the marriage certificate. You're in. If you're looking, make sure you're hearing from the Lord. And have people around you that you can ask questions of that can see your relationship from the outside. Because they will have wisdom and insight you do not see in your lovey-dovey, eyes-filled, right? Puppy dog, goo-goo-eyed, look at whoever this person is. You need some outside information. This is why I believe in arranged marriages. They worked (laughs) for thousands of years. This is in no way condemnation to anyone in any way, shape, or form that in your past you have a separation, a divorce, and you have moved on in no way, shape, or form, right? As a pastor, I understand life is nuts, right? And we don't always make good decisions, but thank God for his mercy, amen? His mercy is good. I'm so grateful, right? God wants to work with you where you're at right now where you're at right now, and make it good and powerful and strong in him. His mercy is good. His blood covers all, right? To, to separate, like it just said, to separate, for us to divorce and separate is outside of God's plan, right? It is sin to do so. But Jesus paid for all sin, right? We've made a mistake. If we can say, oh, no, that wasn't a sin. That was, I, was, I needed to do that. Hold on, we gotta go back to Scripture, right? If, if, we made, if we made some mistakes in our youth, right? And we have, even in our middle and older age, we made some mistakes. Is that true? Has anybody made mistakes? You make some mistakes. I'm telling you, the answer isn't to just cut and run. We got to learn this as mature Christians, right? And the cut and run answer is not the answer, but we've all made, we've all made m- mistakes. We've all done it, right? Sin is sin. Is that true? And so we've got to rely on the grace of the Lord. God wants to work with you where you're at right now. Commit to serving him right now and he will make it so good and so blessed and so full of life when you two come together do not let the enemy beat you up over your past god is not neither am i and neither should you it's gone he doesn't remember it anymore it's you can't even see the signs from here so you can just go thank you lord i'm free i'm gonna make what i'm doing right now i'm gonna make it as good as i can because god's in me and he's helping me That's the goodness of God. Come on now. That's the goodness of God. That's good news. God wants you blessed and full and rich and a blessing to people. Right where you're at. This is meant to be encouraging. Come on, you guys can smile a little bit more than this. This is, this is good that God loves us and cares about us and wants to talk about our relationships. I mean, come on now, I've... I've lived the knothead life. I've been the knothead. Just stubborn. No, this is the way we're going to do it. Stupid. Don't be dumb. Don't be stubborn as a man. Listen to your wife. She's got God-given traits in her to give you help and comfort and be comparable. Do you know that by and large, men and women, we are very much more so alike than we are different? Head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, right? We are, we are the same species. This is why he created us. We are very much alike. The enemy wants to say, you are so different that it could just never come to get, that's a lie. We're perfectly complementary to each other to fit in and weld and mold together. Perfect. 
You need her, she needs you, that's what makes it good. And when you figure that out, and you start communicating, even in the hard conversations, when you're like, I am dead set on this, are you really? Do you want to die on that hill over this with your spouse? I would suggest most of the time, no. God's good to us. Man, he wants to help us. The enemy wants to drive a wedge in us. We do think differently, right? Girls and guys think differently. If we didn't, we'd be the exact same. How would we compliment each other? There are things about us that are different, right? Thank God the parts are different, right? The women have the babies. Thank you, Jesus, for that. That, We could just fire up the band and have a whole worship song just for that. Guys, amen. Amen. I'm grateful for that. But I mean, that's how it's designed. We are designed to come together and complement each other and be fruitful and multiply in the earth. It's a wonderful thing. We got to recognize it and be willing to go there. Amen? I think there'd be some folks around here that would, would say yes to this in many ways. Some of the older generation, right, that have lived a while and seen some of these things and just said, that's true. Man, I, I could have done some things different if I had just maybe listened a little better or if I had relied on her a little bit more or, or him. Wives for Come on now. <clears throat> one together, one is together, two is separate. The enemy wants to separate us. God wants to bring us together for vision, for purpose, for goals, for finances, for schedules, right? For living. Like he wants us to be together, to do things together, right? To live life together. That doesn't mean you guys are joined at the hip physically all the time, Right? That's why bathroom doors have locks, okay? But it means that together, as one, you guys are working in this life together to fulfill the plan of God for your family, right? And you're coming together, and what does that look like? And, and how do we ra- raise these kids the right way for these kids? And how do we, how do we uh, uh, be involved in church? And how do we pray? And how do we serve the Lord together as a family, right? It's important. <clears throat> Jesus said in Mark 3, he said, if a house divided against itself, the house cannot stand. The enemy wants strife and division in between us. He does not want us to be working together because when we are working together, we are powerful, strong, a force for the kingdom. Come on, that doesn't mean you can't be strong as a single. That does not mean that you cannot be a force for the kingdom of God. It's not an exclusion. He's just saying, when you get married, do it together. Paul said, he said, you remember this? Paul said, I would, I would wish that you guys could do it like I did, where I, I didn't get married. I stayed, I stayed away and I just pursued the plan of God for, our, for my life. And some people are like, well, I've just got to be a Paul. Well, great. Then you're going to get shipwrecked three times, beaten by rods a whole bunch of times, almost murdered, right? Let down out of a wall in a basket, running for your life and preaching the gospel everywhere you go. If that's the life you want to live and God's called you to that, go for it. Most people, <laughs> right, are not that committed. And, it, and he said, you can get, you can get married. It's okay. It's a good thing. It's good for a husband and wife to come together and have a relationship. Otherwise, if nobody did, we would not be here. True? That's how, that's how we populate. It's important. You guys doing okay? <clears throat> Watch thoughts against each other. Thoughts of strife, division, suspicion, hurt, um, thoughtlessness, right? Selfishness. Watch these thoughts. They're meant to mean, oh, he doesn't care about me or... Man, he never listens, right? I've messed up a couple of times in trying to read Cody's mind, and somehow in the telepathic communication, I misunderstood what she was trying to say non-verbally. 
all the time. <laughs> and I've messed it up. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times she said, I wish you could read my mind. And I'm like, dear Jesus, help me. That's not even a prayer I can pray, right? Like, <laughs> but that it's not, we're not designed to do a mind melt. We're designed to communicate and help and learn and make the effort to like, you know, figure each other out. It's not magical. It's just some effort, some work. I'm still learning how to do that. I'm not great, but I'm learning. <clears throat> let, me, let me end with this. We got to watch how we pray when we say this. Lord, help me to make my marriage work. Help me to make my marriage work. It sounds good, but it's really the wrong, it's the wrong prayer. It's the wrong way to pray. And the reason is, is because the DNA of marriage works every time. God designed it that way. Marriage works. The covenant before the Lord God works. It's already in your favor if you've made a covenant before the Lord. It's already in your favor. Come on now. That's good news. It's already working for you. We have to learn to get ourselves out of the way, to quit fighting against what God ordained to work. Marriage inherently works because it's God's idea. That joining together. We need to come alongside what God did, how he works, and do it his way, and watch it flourish. Then it will just take off. And you're gonna have to be laying down some stuff that you think you have to have or you want. You're gonna have to lay some stuff down, right? Both sides, you are. You're gonna have to let some stuff go. Don't focus on the stuff that drives you nuts. Just like, like it should be, just sweep that under the rug. Let the Lord deal with them about that. Come on, you focus on the negative long enough, it'll bug you all the time. That's crazy, that's crazy thought. That's exactly what the enemy wants. Think about the stuff that's good about your spouse. What they, Because they do a lot of good, right? They're with you. That's check mark number one. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> Think about the good stuff. Allow God to work in us, amen? It's super important. Togetherness, oneness equals power and strength. We've got to work hard, hard to stay as one. So if you're looking for that person, right? You're not looking for Mr. Perfect. You're looking for somebody you can get along with. Somebody that will talk and communicate with you, right? Somebody that the Lord is leading you to, helping you. And rest, just rest. He can do that. Operate in faith. Believe God for the right one. Amen? Believe, right for the right, the, believe God for the right companion. It'll happen for you. He's a big God. He can do anything. And he knows right where it's at. A lot of times he's waiting on us. And when you're in a marriage and things don't seem to be going all that great, use your faith and say, okay, God, marriage DNA works. It's inherent. It was your idea. I know it works. Show me what I can do to be in covenant with you, to do this the right way. Your part, not his, not hers, your part. Show me, Lord, what my part is, how I can do this better. I can be the best me that you've created me to be because I know marriage works. The DNA of it works. Amen? God's good to us. He's designed some stuff for us that is just awesome. We just gotta go after it, amen? Go after it. Thank you, Lord. Can I pray for you?